Hi, I'm Adam Crofts, the founder of Prevail, and this is Better Begins Here. This is the podcast for people who are striving to be the best they can be, whether that's in life, work, health, or fitness. In every episode, I'm trying to uncover the mind, habits, and motivations of top-performing athletes and individuals to discover how they got to the top of their field. And today's guest is definitely performing at that level. Adam Jamili was the first British athlete to run 100 metres in less than 10 seconds and the 200 metres in less than 20. Initially, when I first ran sub 10, I was just like, wow. I was the 100th man in history to run sub 10 as well, which is a pretty cool stat as well. Alongside being a world-class athlete, Adam is also unbelievably motivated and loves his sport and everything he's achieved to date. I wanted to talk to Adam to really understand the physical and mental challenges that training at this level entails and how he has matured as an athlete and the balance that now brings to his life. Adam's energy is infectious and his knowledge and attitude is super inspiring. Hope you enjoy this as much as we did. Adam, welcome. Thanks for joining us today, mate. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. No, looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, mate. Firstly, absolute honour to have you in <laughs> chatting with us today, bud. Um, fresh on the back of Tokyo as well. Yeah, I'm ready. I, I, I had a few weeks off and uh, took some well-deserved sort of time to sort of get myself right mentally more than phys- or physically as well, but mentally. So I feel good. I feel ready to sort of smash next season. We've got a big season next year as well. So I'm sort of ready to get going. I know we've only just sort of finished this year, but nah, really ready to get going. Yeah, things have been moving fast, haven't they? Really fast. Yeah, started off with today. First day of us in the gym, Prevail HQ. Dang, you guys really know how to work out. You guys really put me through my faces today. I thought I was fit, but it was uh, it was tough. It was so good to sort of uh, get in there. The office space is great. You've, people are fantastic there. Everyone's so welcoming and happy. And and then we got in the gym to, to do the workout. And I, we started and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty good. Can do this, can do this. And then the recovery started getting less and less than as my, uh, my heart rate started getting into the right zones. And then... Oh my God, I threw up. Genuinely threw up. Yeah, body. no, That's I pushed excellent. myself hard, but it was just, yeah, it's good. That's what you want, I guess. Yeah, so the look on Jamie, our trainer's face today at that moment. <laughs> I think <laughs> he was a little he killed me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's a big crown to wear on your head in life and in general, I suppose. But coming into that gym, yeah, there's obviously high expectations today. Obviously, we want you to wear the kit, test the kit, try and break the kit and push it to the limits and... We kind of wanted to get that out of you as well. and Yeah, well, you got that out of me. I, de- you, I think the kit survived more than me. I was definitely broken. <laughs> I was took me a long time to recover after that. But it was a that was a good session. Hopefully, uh, hopefully get some good data out of it. And it was so good to actually try the actual thing itself. Like try it in the kit, wear the sort of shirt. It was so comfortable. I didn't really even notice I had it on. To be honest with you, it was which is what I want in what I'm wearing. So it was uh, ideal. It's kind of nothing to hide from, right? When you can see your own information up on a big screen. When you can see it up there and everyone else is looking at it and then you're looking at your heart rate and then your heart rate's dropping a bit too fast. I'm like, stay high, get a bit extra recovery, a bit more recovery. And then, <laughs> But it's really good to see your calories and and actually the actual max effort that you're putting in and, and how quickly you do recover after really pushing your body to that limit, which is, especially for my sport, it's that's everything that I need. And that's what yeah. I do on the track as well. So for me, it's the ideal thing really yeah it's cool i think we're gonna hopefully learn a lot from each other over the coming year i think it's gonna be 100 good journey together but no it's gonna be wicked i'm really looking forward to it so uh yeah i said thanks for thanks for having me yeah it looks like you've been having a bit of fun since you got back you managed to get a bit of, bit of rest time i have i've had a lot of fun yeah i've been doing some really cool stuff like i'm not in the uk that often i train mostly most of the year in florida which is yeah it's pretty nice it's, it's always hot there so it's it's pretty good but when i'm home it's nice to spend time with my friends and my family um, my girlfriend do things that I don't 
normally get the opportunity to do and yeah just take it slow like a training for the olympics was so intense it was a, it was the last 5 years it was 11 months of the year six six days a week sometimes seven days a week wow. and it's not just what you do on on when you're at training it's also what you do away from training is is as important if not more important how you recover because it's all good you can go out there and and do a crazy hard workout can you then go home recover to then come back the next day and do it again and then again yeah. and then again and that's where you start to really put back-to-back -back weeks together and that's how you sort of train it's it strange then when you come back and you're almost like left to your own devices all of a sudden it's like twiddling your thumbs you're like what do i do now like what do i try and stay fit and healthy and, and try and work out i enjoy i enjoy some i give myself a drink have some bad some bad food which i don't normally get to eat because i sort of anything i eat i blow i go so big so quickly so I think I finished the uh, season around 77, 78 kilos. I think I'm rocking about 80, 82 kilos now. So my weight can fluctuate so quickly. So you are human then? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> compared, no, have you seen, some of these other sprinters, they are absolutely stacked. Abs on abs on abs, traps and biceps this. And I'm just there like, <laughs> just just happy to be there you say and that. run saw, fast. But We saw you move in the gym today. That Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Starting with a box jump for about three meters high. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't see yeah, that Yeah, but third day. set, 10 reps in, oh, I was barely getting off the ground, but it was, uh, it was good fun. Was Super good fun. impressive. Yeah. So, mate, so what a career to date. Unbelievable. Oh, like thanks. First GB athlete to run 100 meters sub 10 seconds. Like, yeah, sub 10 and then sub 20 in the, in the 200. That's the first GB athlete to run. Yeah, sub 10 in the 100 and then sub 20 seconds in the 200, which is uh, considering the sprinters we've had in the UK in the past, Linford Christie, John Regis, like Darren Campbell, to be the guy that did that, it's, yeah, it was... Did it blow your own mind? It's, I didn't, first, when I first did it, I wasn't really that, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then now I look back at it, I think, do you know what, like, of all the people that have ever been in the UK, there's been a lot of people, <laughs> like, you were the first person yeah. to ever do that. And I think it's only me and now one other guy that have, have ever done it, so it's... um. Talk, talk us through that moment then, that first that first time, you know, you, you see your name on the board and, and it's sub 10. It's, it's like... a crazy feeling. Like to, first time I went sub 10, I actually threw myself at that line and tore my hamstring. So I went from such like high, I was in such good shape. I just ran sub 10 and then to instantly go from that to injury was the craziest sort of devastation. Like I was in such good shape. It was yeah. 2015, it was the year before the Olympic games. And yeah, to go from being in great shape to then you, you realize you've got a hamstring tear and the doctor says, yeah, you're not going to run for the rest of the season. <sighs> Mentally, wow. it was just, it was very tough. But that feeling, and initially when I first ran sub 10, I was just like, wow, I'm part of an exclusive. I was the hundredth man in history to run sub 10 as well, which is a pretty cool stat as well. So, uh, 100th man yeah, I was in the, history. Yeah, I was the hundredth man in history to break the 10 second barrier. So that's, I was Wait, the milestone. I I'd was be wearing the, a t-shirt. I know, I should get that. I should get all these, <laughs> get all these, uh, all these things put together. But yeah, it was pretty cool. But yeah, like I said, I, I got injured in that race so I wasn't able to race for the rest of the season and so coming back from that was yeah. a big challenge I've had a few ups and downs like that but it's um there's ways to get around it which we can I'm sure we can get into yeah 100% I'm guessing that's one of many moments right I'm guessing in that one occasion though the the glory of that achievement kind of I just couldn't believe it I was like, I finally went sub 10 I I was an idiot I've dipped and I threw myself at the line like it was the Olympic final it wasn't it was just a diamond league race it was just a race in Birmingham and like I dipped and I lost my balance. And as I've fallen over, just felt like I'd been shot in the back of the leg. I was like, I'd never felt pain like it. I didn't really understand what happened. And I fell over and I rolled over. Like it's on YouTube. You can I remember seeing the, oh. the roll. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> and I went from running, like we, we probably hit top speeds of like near 
40 kilometers an hour and you wow. go from that to an instant stop. Yeah. My what was it then? What, what did you learn from that then? Was it? There was a lot of things, really. A lot of things. It was just... Was it the lean? Was it, it was, yeah. Don't throw yourself at the line. Like, like it's... If it's an Olympic final, dip. If you get injured, it's the Olympic final and you get a medal or whatever. But if it's just any any other race like that, don't... I'm just so competitive as an athlete. Like, I yeah. just always want to win. And for anything I do, I want to be the best that I can, which I guess is good mentality to have mentality. as an athlete. So it uh, was for anyone, really. But for me, yeah, I just... I got so competitive and I didn't need to do that because yeah. maybe my season would have gone a lot differently. And maybe I would have gone to the world championships that year and, and medaled because I was in, I was in good shape, but yeah. you never know. Live and learn and exactly. Exactly. Pick yourself up from yeah. progress. Right. Yeah. You, you're massively into like your biomechanics as well, even outside of Love even it. outside of your sports, aren't you? So I'm guessing you must've analyzed that moment. And so I'm a big, like I say, working with you guys, it's like, I'm a big, I'm big into the stats, big into the, the, the technology and ways to get these, one or two percent improvements in yourself and your performance i think that's especially in my sport where i've lost an olympic medal by three thousandths of a second wow and like when you comprehend how small that gap is three thousandths of a second is barely a hair's width of distance like it's it's nothing so i'm massively into the ways to get one and two percents on the track when when i'm training and, and away from the track as well so i did my whole degree i was a sport sports science and human biology degree in London and my dissertation was all about biomechanics and post-activation potentiation. So I was, I was looking at numbers, counter movement jumping. So I said to get the data from, from you guys, from the, uh, prevail system, I guess it's, it's just, I love it. I'm in my element. I'm going to be almost like geeking out, looking at all the numbers, trying to analyze it. What can I do? I can get 1% here. I was in this heart rate here. So yeah, I'm massively into it. Especially when you're talking, like you say, three thousandths per second. Yeah. That was, uh, that was heartbreaking. I didn't even know what to do with myself there. That's the, that was in 2016. And that's the first time I've cried since I was like a young kid, maybe 15, 14, 15 years old. Wow. I just broke down. I didn't know what to do with myself. Like I was in Brazil. My family was there. I saw my family, kept it together with them. I went back to the GB tent alone and I just broke down. Just couldn't believe it because in that moment it was gone. 20 seconds. That's all you get. So you have to get it right on the day. Just couldn't believe that that opportunity had been yeah. and gone. It was yeah, heartbreaking. And was it just because how close it was in that one instance that that, that hurt more than other times? Do you know what? I wish I'd lost the medal by by a longer gap. I wish I just wasn't. Yeah, I wish I was a lot further back than I went. Oh, do you know what? People were just better than me there. But it was so close, like three thousandths of a second. There was literally, you could have thrown a blanket over from second place to like sixth place. We were all so close. So yeah. sometimes it goes in your way. And for me, I'm still waiting. For, I'm still waiting for that. But uh, yeah, I, I, it didn't go my way then. I've had a few of those ones, a few of those tight yeah. dips where I've lost lost out. But there's no guarantees in sport. Like yeah. There's no guarantees in, in what you're doing. You have to, uh, yeah, you have to just... It's big mature words like there yeah. now I'm guessing, but I guess that comes with time, right? Because have you always been pretty no, tough from early days? I, I, I have. I've been doing sport from a, at a good level since I was really young. I was really fortunate, really, really fortunate to get into play for Chelsea and I was in their academy for eight years. And they teach you a lot about not just playing sport, but how to be outside of sport, how to be mature, how to understand not only how to win, but how to lose. And that's something I really am so thankful I had the opportunity to do that. And and I brought that into my track and field and I've I realized this is not forever. Like so while I'm doing it, enjoy it. Things aren't always gonna be amazing. If I don't want to feel like that, go and do something else. Because sport isn't always guaranteed. It's yeah. and yeah, I've had that attitude, but as I've got older, I've it's definitely sometimes you say it and trying to believe it is a different thing, but as I've got older, I definitely now 
believe you've that. You've lived it now as well. Yeah, you? exactly. Yeah. So, mate, start back there then. Chelsea, like, oh yeah, long, wow. yeah, yeah. I was playing football. I was there for a long time. I was, I, I thought I wanted to be a professional footballer. That was my dream. So that was growing up. That was growing up. Yeah, I started when I was at like seven or eight. I've always been quick, and I guess when whenever you're doing any sport, especially as a youngster, all you, all people want is speed, yeah. and they can teach you the rest of the skills. And that's what I, that's what happened to me at Chelsea. And yeah, moved away from that as I got older, more towards GCSEs. It was my parents didn't want me taking three days off of school to go into Chelsea, and they told me no. Wow, they took me out of the club. And how was uh, that then? Devastating, like... devastating. I've been at the club for eight years, and to have my parents just take. I'm so grateful now. Like, because a lot of the guys that did take those days off of the school and didn't get their education, not even GCSEs, like to make it at the top level, at like a club like Chelsea, it's so difficult. So yeah. I'm so glad. But at the time, I hated my, I was like, what? Couldn't believe, I was so upset, crying, like, so how can you do this to me? And they were like, listen, we know best. And actually, S usually parents do. So <laughs> sometimes they're right. As well. Yeah, yeah. So they were very keen on me getting an ed education. My mum and dad, like, they basically said to me, get your degree. Once you've got your degree, do what you want. Wow. So I was doing my degree sort of while I was trying to compete. I started just after the London Olympics in 2012. And yeah, I was doing that for three years. And then my mom after that, she was like, masters. And I was like, relax, <laughs> relax. <laughs> relax. <laughs> say? Yeah, relax. I got your degree now. We can maybe think of that after, but. So when did like track and field start coming into? When I was 18. Was it so literally that late? So you must yeah, have I, I, knew you was fast. I always, right, so. always knew I was fast and I dabbled in athletics but never really given it a chance. And I'd been to like, I'd never done any training and I just used to rock up to races and win. And everyone was like, you should give this a real good try. You've got really good like talent. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I used to find it really boring. I used to wait a whole day to run 10 to 11 seconds and then go home. And I was like, I could have been doing so much more stuff with yeah. my time. Like it's such a waste of time. And as obviously I got older and, and realized how much effort people put into it, I've grown to really love it. But yeah, I used to hate it. And then started training full-time January, 2018. And again, picked it up so quickly, got really fortunate, really lucky. And then, yeah, seven months later, was representing Team GB in the London Olympics. 18-year-old, fresh-faced, had no idea what I was doing. I was walking walking past different athletes in the video. Oh, Serena Williams is there. What, the hell is, <laughs> what am I doing here? It felt so out of place. And like, That's such a quick it was, turnaround. It was such a quick transition. Yeah, it was mental. It was mental. And then once you sort of do that, you can't really walk away from a track and field. But it was a... It's a bit, yeah, it was a bit crazy. That yeah. sort of start of my career was a uh, people's a bit mental. People like you say, like to get to any sort of elite level, people like train put 10, 12 years into it, right? And you've just gone, you yeah, Chelsea, and you've gone, right, I'll have a go at this. And instantly you're in I thought it would always GB be that, kit. Yeah, you're thought, <laughs> honestly, you're not wrong. I thought it'd always be that easy. I was like, oh, it's all, this is easy. Just rocked up and I made the Olympics. <laughs> like, and it's not like you realize how much you have to sacrifice to be at this at the top level. Like I said, it's not just when you train, it's what you do outside of that makes a huge difference yeah. and uh yeah it's you could argue tough. i suppose you learned a lot at chelsea using that use almost following a pro career there you do you do so they basically make, make you be as a professional they're like you and the first team are great as well i i will never forget players like john terry and frank lampard they would always give time to the academy and when jose Mourinho came in he to chelsea when he was the manager he really made sure that first team really looked after the academy so we all got that experience. We all felt part of the club and we all learned how to be professional yeah. um, at that young age, which was, like I said, I don't know if they do much of that now, but when I was growing up, I was so grateful for it. That's some inspirational people to be in and around and learning from at a young age. Massively, yeah. What, what do you think you learned that that age, that uh, youth in that environment that you probably took into the rest of your career from the early days? 
maybe how to be a role model. Like they tell you, like you're only 10, 11 years old and they drill into you. Listen, you got under eights, under nines watching you trying to be in your position the next couple of years. You need to set a good example. And you think, no, no, no. And then you're watching the older, older athletes or the older players, how they're acting and you try and emulate that. So really how to be good, a good person on the pitch and then off the pitch as well. Yeah. Like, and that's something I did rate and respect about them. That even if you were the best player in the world, if you were not a nice person, we say, yeah, if you weren't a nice person, they didn't have you at the club. Yeah. Which is, it's about being a good person. I suppose that's like massively helped your transition from junior athlete at that age to now. I, I like to think so. Role model and inspiration for others coming up in this, in the squad. Right? That, that's the biggest compliment someone can give you, I think is telling you that you're, a role model to them and they look up to you and they want to try and be like you and you set a good example for them. And for me that there's no better compliment than that. than then young athlete coming onto the team, we went to Tokyo. I was 27, but I'm probably one of the, the most experienced people on that team. Been to three games. Like I've made every pretty much every team since 2012. And it was young people on that team born in like 2001, 2002. And I'm just looking at you like, oh, you're so young and fresh. And and, <laughs> and they came up to me and said, we really look up to you. And and for me, that's, wow. that's, that means, oh, I'm doing something right, I think. So um, uh, yeah, that's awesome. pretty cool. That. That's got to be inspiring to keep being that person as well, right? And yeah, absolutely. Especially there was, a, there was a young athlete, I won't mention her name, but she just missed out on an Olympic medal, just missed out. And she was devastated and I took her for a walk and just explained because I was in the same position four years ago and I took her aside and I said, listen, these are the feelings you're going to have and everyone's going to try and reach out to you and t tell you it's okay. And I said, L -l -l just separate it, give yourself some time. And a few a few days later, she she messaged me and she was like, honestly, you were right. And what you said really helped. And for me, that's, that's so yeah. Did, you, did anyone give you that advice? I did. I did have a few a few athletes that really gave me a reality check, especially when I was on the team about how to sort of, be and, and act and keep me grounded almost when I was 18 and, and you think, oh, I made it. I'm at the Olympics. I'm representing Team GB in the 100 meters and you sort of want to be a bit cocky. And then you've got the, my friends and my family and then a few older athletes, Christian Malcolm, who's now the the head coach, he was in my apartment and, and Greg Rutherford as well and Steve Lewis. They were wow. big inspirations for me who are, who are former athletes. So they are, yeah, shout out to those guys who were, who were really, really cool and, and kept me grounded. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Pass the yeah. baton on to you, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure, man. They were they were great. They were really good. So wow, London, two thousand and twelve. What a place to make a stamp. There's probably never going to be another time like that, right? Especially for a British athlete. I think everyone. What's so special is everyone in the UK sort of has that their own memories around London. Yeah, and they base their experiences around how it was for them. And for me, I got front row seats. I was there. I was competing. Like, I got to experience the village and. Didn't get to experience too much of the atmosphere in London, obviously, because we were kept in the village and it was just mental. You got, you went outside anywhere in GB kit and you were swarmed by people. And it was, I'd never experienced that. No one had ever asked for my autograph before. And all of a sudden I've got all these people asking me for my autograph and for a picture. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why do you want my, why do you want that from me? Like, so it's, um, it was a really cool experience. Something I'm really grateful I got to do. And yeah, I doubt there'll be anything like that again. It's a shame the legacy of London 2012 was, I feel like it has died a lot recently. Like it has died a lot post London. And it's my responsibility as well as other athletes to really inspire a new generation, especially with what's going on in the world with COVID. Yeah. People were so easy, easily staying inside, not working out, eating what they want. And now we can sort of go out again and, and exercise properly. It's now people's responsibility and uh, athletes' responsibility, I think, to get the next generation of, yeah. of athletes coming through. 
especially I suppose when they've not probably had such an awesome start as you did in London. Imagine if someone's first game in yeah. Tokyo is complete. Doesn't always opposite, happen that right? easy. It's... Doesn't always happen that easy. I, I was very lucky. I I'm, I'm I know that in myself. Yeah. I was very fortunate. Things just aligned and 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 I just made the team. Was, like, was it that moment? I suppose on the back of the game, she's like, right, yeah, this is me. Cementing my place from here. Now let's go. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Then I was like, right, I just missed out on the final. I was third in the semi-final behind Tyson Gay and Johan Blake, number two and three of, on all, the all-time list of quickest men ever. So I was third behind those guys, just missed out on the final. And I was like, do you know what? I've got a good chance here. I can really, if I give this a proper go, I can really be one of the best sprinters in the world. And that's the sort of attitude I've always had from 18, 19 to sort of now. Always back myself. Why should you fill the lane for some American or Jamaican to make them look good? Nah, forget that. See, is that what's going through your head when you're when you're on the start line? I've always been like interested in that. You obviously you're in your own head. You know the capabilities of everyone on, on yeah. the lanes next to you. What, what's going through your head? I always back myself, and I think I always believe I can go into every race winning. And I, I've raced Usain Bolt a lot in his prime, and Usain Bolt in his prime is unbeatable. Basically, like he was just a different mm. breed of athlete. And even then, you have to have the mindset that you can win. Otherwise, you've already lost before you've started. You have to aim to be the best. I don't sacrifice as much as I do everyday training to to be second place or, like I said, to fill, fill lanes. And I think as GB athletes, we shouldn't do that. I didn't know this, and I don't know if a lot of other people do, but you could be on a lane like six, seven other athletes, different countries, obviously some other world champions, but you all train together. You, sometimes you beat them sometimes they beat you but it's week in week out right so yeah you train with the best athletes in the world I train with the fastest men in the world and I made that decision and the group that I'm in I think if I can beat you every day in training when it comes to the Olympics I'll, I can beat you at the Olympics as well and I know that and they know that and they and they know that as well so it's, it's a mental thing and, and some weeks you'll win some some days they'll win and it's it pushes you to the to be the best and you get that sort of that inspiration every day training with the best and it makes sure you're on on point every single day you're sort of accountable because if you're doing a block start session and you've got eight men who have all run sub 10 and you're not on it they're going to make you look really really stupid and it's embarrassing and it doesn't feel good I've been in that position every every sprint has been in that position where you're not feeling it that day and people are just on it like the best in the best sprinters in the world are animals they're just absolutely different breed they're just different breed and if you're not ready to go yeah you look really how, really. Shitty. how do you do that like when you're there in that moment you like you know mentally if you're if you're ready or if you're not and you must know what it feels like to be ready to go yeah and with 100%. that you must know what it feels like to be not quite as ready how, how do you make sure that being when in it this, counts you're ready to go yeah you have to sort of mentally the mental side of it is so important i think it's so underrated and people don't really do enough work on the mental side of things they think oh i can physically train and get myself in the best shape but they expect the mental side to just happen and it won't and you have to practice and a lot of people work with psychologists I've been working with a psychologist since 2013 and the way I sort of describe it to people is is being in the zone is sort of like it's the same sort of feeling where you're just sort of ready to go it's like let's say you're driving a car and you've been driving for the last the last like 15 20 minutes and you don't sort of really even remember driving but you're just doing it naturally because you've done it so often and your body just knows what to do that's what being in the zone feels like you're not even thinking about anything, but your body's just doing it because it's just, you've done it every single day at training. Like you're just ready to go. And, and that's the sort of feeling when you, when you know, you know, you're ready and you don't really remember even running at all, but wow. your body was doing it. And, and it's a step you have to take to you have to practice it. You yeah. have to practice a routine that I go through to get myself in the zone. And it's more like working on different cues, 
at what am I going to do? What position am I going to hold out of the blocks? What's my first movement? My first movement is I'm going to punch my thigh as far forward as I can, as quickly as I can, and then bring my other leg through. And that's all I'm thinking in the blocks is go bang, bang. Like, yeah. and people, different people have different things and, and you practice different things and it just sort of happens when you're ready. And, uh, you know, it's, you know. it's hard to explain. Yeah. But that's, people have always asked me, what's it feel like to be like when you know you're ready? And it's, it's that same sort of feeling. I can only describe it as sort of when you're driving, it's like, you don't really even know what's happening you're just it's sort of just happening and and you don't even remember doing it and that's the same thing with with sprinting as well it's yeah. that same feeling so i suppose outside in you, you work in sports psychologist you, you study in human biology as well as competing do you think that's helped make you a better all-round athlete like I said, it's always the one percent and I, I realized like i'm with eight of the fastest men in the world every single person on that line is talented every single person on that line is is a beast and and can run fast what is going to give me that extra one or 2% and psychology is one of those percents as well. And not a lot of people do it, but for me, I realized that from a young age that I want to, I don't want to have any regrets. I want to go through this sport and, and explore every opportunity I can. And, and psychology is a huge benefit to, yeah. to a lot of people. So was it Steve? Peter? Steve, yeah. I worked with Steve. Who's a, he's a lovely guy. What one of the best guys I've ever met. The chimp. Who did the yeah, chimp we do, up. we do the chimp, the chimp, the sort of a, uh, Caging the Chimp, Using the Computer, like that sort of, it's a great, great book. If people want to really read it, like I told him as well, see, it's a, it's a long, it's a long book to read, but if you actually understand it, it helps, it can help every person on every sort of day, day life. And it really has changed my life and the way I approach life as well. Even when I was at university, first thing I did with Steve, when I first started working with him, we didn't even talk about track and field for like the first six, seven months. He was getting my lifestyle right. And I was at uni, he was like, right, we need to get your uni life right. We need to make sure the way you're living your life every day is is correct. And yeah, we sort of got that right. And he said, if you get your lifestyle right, that will translate into sport. And yeah. it has. So when you say lifestyle, you mean? Eating well, sleeping well, getting into good habits, being, being a good person, like uni work. He was like, I don't want you just to leave your assignments to the last day and you bang it out in six, seven hours because that's rubbish. He said, do an hour's work. Every, we started with half an hour. We started with 20 minutes, actually, because I was like, he said, do 20 minutes of work every single day. Whatever it is you need to do, even if you've got emails to reply to, just just start it. Once you start, you're going to be in such a good rhythm. You'll probably want to do more. But he said, just dedicate 20 minutes a day. And then that eventually went to 30 minutes and an hour. I started doing an hour's work every day. And then by the time my dissertation came around, I'd already done most of it already. Wow. Like it was just getting into good habits of good ways to like sort of live. Don't be lazy. If something's on the floor, pick it up. If like you've got something to do. Don't just leave it to pile up. Do it. Get, yeah. Just just start it. Get it done. Because your chimp's going to be like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I'll leave it till later. Le Cage it. Just do it. And once you start, you'll feel better for it. So I'm guessing that helps, um, I suppose, when you're dealing with adversity, when you get knockbacks, right? If you go, <laughs> yeah. if you'd have concentrated sport first and as a, as a knockback, you go back and your life's a mess. It's going to hurt more, right? But if you've Honestly, got every, all, your all your ducks in a row, as it will, it's, is that, is that help? 100%. 100%. And these knockbacks, like it's okay for them to happen. And sometimes you have to accept it and you have mm. to just let things sort of crumble a little bit and actually like have a few days of, of sulking and have a few days of just like feeling sorry for yourself. And then once you've done that, park it. Don't want to, it's not a pity party. You now have to work extra hard to make sure you get back to a better level. So like I said, I always think you should, sometimes you should let things crumble and, and accept it. And then once you accept it, don't think about it anymore. Accept it, move on from it and build to make sure it doesn't happen again sounds like a massive influence yeah huge any, influence any of the yeah. kind of books or people you work with that are kind of help with this or steve is the steve's the main guy with the sort of mental side of things like 
And then I, I love reading like autobiographies of, of former sports people. Like I love the Michael Jordan documentaries that yeah. came out. Like it was just learning from people. Michael Johnson, who's the former sprinter as well. He's, his books are great. I love reading those. Just how the best in the world did it. They're all very similar. So it's <laughs> key some, themes, right? I yeah, there's key themes for, for being successful and, and in all walks of life, not just sport in, in, in whatever you want to do in life, there's key themes and nothing will happen by accident. You have to work hard to get what you want. Nothing's going to fall into your lap. So you have to work for it. You're so young, but it's a big career already, right? 10 years, I suppose, since... Yeah, since I came onto the scene, yeah. Talk about some, like, career highlights. There's loads to skip over last year. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen your champs. Yeah, I've been I've been a good run so far. There's still a lot more I want to do. I've been... I've run sub-10, I've run sub-20. I've been to three Olympic Games. Like, I've, uh, I've always been in and amongst the fastest men in the world, which is a really cool thing to say. Like, it was a really weird loserish thing to say when I was sort of 18. I remember coming back from the Olympics and I was sitting in the car with my dad and I was just sort of comprehending what I was, because it was my first year in the sport, I was comprehending what I was doing. I was just like looking out the window, I was thinking, I could beat him in a race, I could beat him in a race. <laughs> and then my dad was like, what are you talking about? And I was only young, I was just like, like really, really stupid. But like, yeah, I've, I've, I've won European champion. I've been European champion. I've been world champion. I've won medals at the Commonwealth Games. So it's like, but there's still so much I want to do in the sport. Especially if there's one takeaway medal achievement. <laughs> What would you, you go with? I'd probably say when we became world champions in 2017, we were world champions in London at our home championships. Everyone was in that race. Usain was in that race. We won the relay um, before by one. And I know it's it's more of a team event, not so much individual, but there was there was times that night where I was hugging the other guys and I didn't want to let go. And my family were in the crowd and were able to see it and my friends. And, and it was just, it was just mental. It was just London. And it was just, we're, we were the last event. And it was like 10.30 the race. And usually people are shuffling out because they want to miss the traffic. And the whole stadium was just full. Like an hour after we we finished running, we went around the whole stadium and just like took pictures and waved with everyone. It was just, yeah, it was crazy. Didn't awesome, get any sleep. Yeah, I didn't get any sleep <laughs> that night. And then we had so much press to do the next day and we were all just like absolutely hanging. So it was, uh, yeah, that was probably my, that would be my takeaway medal so far. Sounds incredible. Because I, I suppose like people look at Olympians as well and they think it's, well, it, in one way, shape or form, it is you concentrating on four years time all the time, but it's a busy calendar, right? So I suppose you did that in 2017. You're instantly thinking next thing, next Olympics. And then you're I always suppose, looking at the next yeah. thing. Yeah. You, the long-term goal is always the Olympics. You break it up into four year cycles, but yeah. every single year you've got championships. So you've got next year, we have the Commonwealth games in Birmingham, which is going to be wicked. Make sure you come and come, come and watch us. Yeah. We'll uh, be there. Birmingham will be good. We've got the world championships in, in Eugene. And then we've got the the European Championships, I want to say in Budapest. So we've got three major champs next year, which is going to be intense. It? Yeah, it comes, comes around thick and fast as sport is always moving. Yeah, You can't dwell on being Olympic, being at the Olympics too quickly because it's always moving. We spoke a bit on, on mindset and I suppose how you kind of deal with yourself and you keep yourself focused. But I suppose April 2020, Tokyo being cancelled. What was that like? I mean, you must have been peak performance, peak was, condition, mentally... Honestly, that fight? was the most devastated I've ever been in the sport. That's the best shape I've ever been in. I'd come off a really good year last year. I just missed out on the medal. I was, I was fourth in Doha in the 200 meters. I was leading the race to like 150. Like I was, and then I died. Like I ran a stupid race, but I was in such good shape. I had no injuries. I was running PBs. And, and like we train every day. You don't. It's not very often you get a PBs. I was lifting good in the gym. I was the lightest I've ever been. I was like, do you know what? This, this is my year. And for it to be 
taken away from me. I was just heartbroken and I get it. And, and it was the right thing to do because there was so much bigger things happening in the world and what happened was bigger than sport, but it still didn't change the fact that we trained all that time for that moment. And when I thought I was ready, it just got taken away from me. I was in America as well at the time. I couldn't travel back to the UK. So I was by myself and I was just like, I needed a week. I think our coach just said, right, everyone just take a week, come to terms with what's happened and we'll, we'll get back on it and, and carry on trying to train. So how, did you find, home. how did you all find out? Like, what was the process? I, mean, I, I remember waking up and seeing it on Twitter. So you saw it on Twitter first? Yeah, I remember seeing it on Twitter. Well, no, I remember waking up and, and our group had put it, someone who gets up at 6am in our group, put it in the WhatsApp group. And I sort of just looked at the message waking up. Oh, okay. I checked my phone. So what's that? And then literally swiped and everywhere was on and looked on Twitter. And yeah, Olympics 2020 postponed till, well, they didn't even say next year. They just said postponed. They said, well, they said cancelled originally. And then they postponed it to the week, year after. Yeah. And we were always in limbo. A lot of events had been cancelled a lot earlier. And they'd always said, the athletics was getting later and later and April was like season, the season starting in April and we still hadn't had any news. And then all of a sudden you wake up and it's officially done and you just don't know what to do with yourself. You're in the peak performance and you don't want to stop training because you'll lose that. But what are you training for? Yeah. How, how did you deal with it? I, I didn't really. I was, I was gutted. I just, I, I ate a lot of bad food. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, just spoke to my friends and my family and, like I, I, I did come to terms with it when I realized what was happening in the world and how many people were in a bad way and like how much bad stuff was happening. But very selfishly, I was very upset and, and quite angry. It's not selfish, like the amount of effort and work you put <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, like, yeah, but it's, yeah, it, I guess you can look at it both ways. But for me, yeah, I was devastated. Did anyone, anyone help pull you through then? Did my group, to... my training group, we were all in the same position. So everyone yeah. was in great shape. And then for all athletes around the world for it just to be done literally like within the, a blink of an eye it was um super tough super tough to comprehend but we we're all in the same boat so we we're all sharing feelings and in my training group we we're all very open we talk to each other we help each other it's not like we could go out and celebrate like go out and help each other like go for a drink or go bowling or because everything was shut um because of lockdown but it was good to share that experience with other athletes who were in the same position as you yeah bet some quite Big bonds were made then, right? They're going through Huge that Huge bonds, yeah. I do, I do wish I was able to get home a bit earlier because I yeah. would have loved to have, I say, would have loved to just been on the same time zone as like my friends and my family and my girlfriend and stuff like that because I wasn't. So I was still stuck out in America. But as soon as I could get home, I, I did, which was, which was cool. pretty awesome. Did you manage to maintain some level of that condition, I suppose? And, and I did, but I also being stuck inside and not able to train you lose it so quick. That's the thing with sport and exercise. Yeah. You lose it so quick. It takes so long to build up and then you don't do anything for like a week, two weeks and you try and do a session again. You're like, <laughs> like you're just <laughs> gas. Like uh, me today at the gym, like it was just like, I haven't, I've been training and stuff, but not at that high, the level that we went today. And I was just like, yeah, blown out. Like, I was just shattered. So it's like, you lose it so quickly. So it's, it is hard to maintain. It's not fair, is it? No, it? Well, that's why we train so so much throughout the year and six days a week because, yeah, bloody hell, you want to you want to lose fitness super quick it's and worth keeping it there just to make it. I think so. Less, I it? think it's better to just keep it topped up rather than completely not do anything. And then uh, when you're doing try and build it up again, I was in the hurt box today, man. I was in I was I was in a bad way. <laughs> Hopefully, we get some good images of you. Oh yeah, yeah. Sprayed out today. Yeah, it's I don't think the camera's rolling when I when I threw up, which was which was good. So uh, action shot. I don't think we got that one. <laughs> <the ones> we <laughs> so yeah, you find out find out Olympics is on again. Yeah. Heading gear. How how does the process start? How long uh, have you got to prepare? 
so I still couldn't get back to America. So I couldn't see my coach. He was sending training over for myself and another British athlete who I train with called Daryl Nita. So we were training together. We were trying to get access to a track in the UK. There was just nothing open. It was so difficult to train anywhere. So we were just going to the park and training a lot. Mm. And then we just made the decision to, to go out to Dubai, which was pretty cool. We were like, every, a lot of things were open in Dubai. Track, the track was open. We got invited to go there. And we were like, do you know what? Let's just, let's just get out there. The yeah. weather's good. And we'd be able to train on the track. So we went there for four or five weeks, came back for Christmas, and then managed to get our papers sorted to go over to America again in January, which was good. And mm. then I was back with my coach and locked in and ready to go. That's an intense time, right? So January till like the summer. Oh, to yeah. get a hell of a lot of work in to get to peak condition. Did you have to change the way you trained? Is there Very much so, very much so. And, and you find yourself having all these injuries that you've never had before because your body's not had that much time off that intensity of, of running. Mm. We did, we had a whole summer of no real racing, not pushing your body to that limit. So the next, next year when we tried to come back and sprint, your body's like, whoa, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was tough. It was tough. And I picked up a few injuries and had to definitely adjust my training, but that's what my coach is there for. Yeah. And he's one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world. So he knows how to do that. And I trust him. Did you feel ready going into, into the games this time? Like we talk about mentally, physically. Mentally, yes. Physically, I, there was a lot of stuff that I, I would have, I would have liked to have felt a little bit ready. But I was definitely ready to go and challenge for a medal. Yeah. I was in such good. I hadn't really run that fast going into it. For me, I always raised my game at the champs. Yeah. But I, I was running against my training partners and, and beating them and, and running so quick. And then yeah, I went to Tokyo in the warm up. Literally the last run before I was about to go out and run onto the track, I felt my hamstring grab, and I knew straight away. I've done something, I've done something here. And my coach was like, how are you feeling? I was like, I've got to try. I said to my physio, strap up my leg. I'm going to go out there and try. He was like, no, I don't think, I was like, listen, I've not come all this way to Japan to just sit on the sidelines. I have to try. I took one step out of the blocks and I just ended up walking to the finish. I think the official time that, so because I crossed the finish line, they gave me an official <laughs> time. It was like two minutes. That's the slowest at 200 meters in history. You've gone fastest, yeah. fastest at 10 and slowest. <laughs> Honestly, like it's, it was crazy. Someone tweeted me the rankings today and about like the year and it was like, I was bottom with like two minutes run. I was like, how can like you count some, that? It's like some cool running moment, isn't it? <laughs> I just couldn't believe it happened. Like I trained all that year. I was in such good shape last year. And then in that one moment, I needed my body to work. My body had worked the whole year. Like my body was in such good place. And then literally five minutes before I was about to race, it went. Like, you like, I mean, you <sighs> mentally smile, tough. Smiling, laughing now. But that, again, you talk about the moment it was cancelled. It must have matched that easily. That was the worst one because I was definitely, I was in such good shape to go and, and run for a medal. People might not say that because oh, you haven't run that fast going into it, but I know what shape I was in. I know mm. what I was doing in training. And yeah, that was devastating. Yeah, Absolutely devastating. And what's even worse is I couldn't tell anyone because it literally happened five minutes before I had to be in, into the call room, into the stadium. So I couldn't then like text my mum and say, listen, like I'm not going to, uh, it's bad news. My hamstrings hurt. I couldn't text anyone. So Everyone back home was like watching it. They got up in the morning, my friends, my family, 3 a.m. to watch the race. And then they see me like with my legs strapped up and they see me do one step and then walk the rest of the way. Everyone's like, what, what the heck's oh, going on? Man. So it was like, that was also pretty frustrating. But brave to go into it still as well. I had to try. I had to try. I, I, something about I always have to go and give it my best and I'll go until I can't give any more. And I felt like I had to go out there and, and at least try not just for myself, but for all the people back home and everyone that I put so much effort into me 
and yeah, my body just wasn't yeah. having it. <laughs> so how did you pick yourself back up from that? That was a tough one. That was a really tough one. Recent I, I, as well. Right? Yeah, I've only sort of really come to terms with that again recently. Just sort of got some perspective that it's sport. And Steve said to me, listen, if you don't want to do sport, he said it's as hard as it sounds and as brutal as it sounds, that happens. It's not always going to be rosy and it's not always going to be positive. There's the negative side of it as well. And if you don't want to feel like that, maybe do something else. <laughs> so he was he's always been pretty like pretty brutal with me. But I love that. He's like he's like that tough love with me. And I'm pretty good with that. So, um, yeah, he was it was just like accepting that as part of the journey. And I know my best is yet to come. Yeah. And I took confidence from knowing that I was training with the guy that won the Olympics in the 200 meters and beating him in the year and beating him before we went into the champs. Like I, I took good confidence from that. So I know my best is yet to come. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's there, there mentally, it's there physically. It's just timing, right? It's, it's just getting it right. Just yeah. I just need to catch a break. <laughs> Honestly, damn with the, the like, I just need to catch a break. And if I do, I'll be good. People always like, your time's running out. I'm 27. Like I've, I feel like I've still got a bit of time to, to get it right. And I know I will. So taking away from this, it's like, you think you're having a bad day, right? Something like that. You get up and you go again. It's super inspirational, like inspirational for me, inspirational for anyone (laughs) that meets you, I suppose. But like instantly you've gone, you've done that, right? You've boxed it off, dealt with it. I suppose, learned from it. Some things you couldn't control. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, what's next? And you can only control the controllable. Someone said to me a long time ago, you can only control the controllables and, and everything else is external. And as long as you do everything in your power to, to get yourself right and put yourself in a good situation, if something happens externally, it's out of your control. There's mm-hmm. nothing you can do. So. So it was quick focus, Commonwealth Games. Next year, I'm ready to go. Honestly, that's why I've been training like, and this whole time trying to stay fit and healthy, not enjoy myself, but not let myself get carried away. Yeah. I'm ready to go and win three medals next year at the world's commonwealths and, and Europeans. So So training's kicked off already for, for that. For me, yeah. Not officially with for the for the rest of my training group, but my coach has got me doing some stuff. He wants me super strong going into the year. And then we can change a lot of stuff in terms of like running. But yeah, it's uh it's kicked off and it's ready to go. Like I said I had two, three weeks off and we're ready to uh ready to push again and that's really all we get get yeah. off. So it's uh I suppose also you've got step back into that role model like lead, <laughs> leadership role again now and you got at home lead yeah the team lead the try to i try to uh yeah just set a good example and uh enjoy 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 the journey actually usain said it to me he said your career will go so quickly enjoy it mm. because you won't be doing this forever and there'll be days you look back and you when you're, you're too old to run and you don't want to have regrets and you don't want to have like oh, i wish i'd enjoyed that moment a bit more i wish i enjoyed that a bit more so I do enjoy, I do enjoy my life and I do enjoy my career. And for me, that's what I love. That's some awesome words from, from the best in the world, honestly. Like you see his, the persona he puts on TV and stuff. And as a person, he was so, he always gave time to, to young athletes, always gave, like he's, he was my role model. He was someone I always looked up to because he always gave people time. Mm. You can be Usain Bolt, doesn't matter. You could be a superstar, but he, he always led by example and, and enjoyed his career. And, and that's someone I always looked up to. So yeah, huge inspiration. Yeah, that's awesome. So we talk about like constantly improving, constantly being better, essentially. Yeah. Um, what's the plans? How are you going to do it? How are you going to get better? I mean, mentally, it seems like you're, you're bulletproof now, right? This Mentally, yeah. The work's done mentally. It's just physically, physically keeping your body healthy, keeping your body together, learning when to push your body in training, learning when maybe you need to back off a little bit and something like, I'm not trying to like plug the thing, but something like, something like Prevail actually really does, does help with that because you actually, rather than just go for feeling, you've got the data there. Yeah. So your coach can, my coach can look at it and be like, do you know what? 
mm, let's have a little bit of a, a lesser day today and we'll go again tomorrow and you can adapt training and, and that's how you get less injuries and, and that's how you run faster and win these medals. So that's the way to do it for me and and I'm confident I can do that in the coming years. That's awesome. So you like obviously matured massively as a, as a person, as an athlete as well over the last <sighs> 10 years. And I find it interesting, you're, like, you're getting involved in quite a lot of the governance side of sport with the BOA and other bodies. Is that something you're, you're keen to pursue? As- 100%. I'd love to get into the governance of sport. And I realised very, very quickly in this sport that a lot does need to change. Like we've got, we're, I'm in a dying sport. You look at the participation levels of, of young athletes, dies out. As soon as people want to, they get to 16, 17, they want to do other, other sports. They want to not do sport anymore. And we need to have that transfer of people coming through making teams. Because it's not impossible to make a British team. You just got to commit and really don't have to be the most talented. You've got to just have that mental attitude of working hard. And funding does need to change in the UK as well in terms of like, funding the lower levels of, of grassroots because there is the participation level people always reach out to me and say there's a big waiting time for for me to join my local athletics club and it shouldn't be like that it should yeah. be opportunities for everyone but it's just because these clubs they've got volunteers they're not getting paid to do it so they can't cater for everyone which is frustrating because there's no funding going into them so yeah. it's yeah i'd love to get into that governance side of things and, and and really make a change i've got some good ideas and uh I'm hopefully building towards that. I'm on the BOA's Athletes Commission. I'm on a few different commissions. I'm on the Af- uh, British Athletics Commission. So maybe post-career, that's what I'll get into. But for now, awesome. yeah, just just try and run as fast as possible first. Because, yeah, you've got no power and no say if you've got no credibility. So you've got to try and build up your credibility first and uh, yeah. yeah, the rest fall, falls they're, into place. They're all, they're all going to listen soon. Absolutely, they? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some like takeaway tips. People obviously striving to become the best version of themselves. Like, you talked a lot about daily habits. If you had like three takeaway tips people could take to try and make the day a lot better, improve yeah. the training. I think the training is is set yourself goals. Always have goals, long-term goals, short-term goals. Write them down and have them written somewhere that you can you see them every day and you work towards them. Because it's all good saying it one day. Some days you, you wake up and you feel super motivated, super inspired. And the next day you might not be. So you want to write them down so you remember that sort of feeling of how you felt. I'd say that's a huge point for me is writing that down so I remember every day I know what I'm working to. My phone background is my goals for the for the next year. And I wow. see that every single day I wake up. Patience. Things aren't always going to happen super quick. The journey isn't always as easy as for some as it is for others. Doesn't mean it won't happen for you. Just commit to what you're doing and have patience and enjoy the ride. Like I said, enjoy the enjoy what you're doing. Whatever it is, if it's sport, if it's not sport, like enjoy it because it goes by so quickly you blink and next thing you know you you can't do you can't do that anymore you can't yeah. train how you want to train you can't push how you want to push you can't live how you want to live so enjoy the ride and and you'll get where you want to go patience make sure you got your goals and enjoy it mate awesome wicked brilliant best luck thank best you so much man. thanks for having me on it's, it's been it's we been a pleasure to work together thanks for listening to this episode of better begins here there are new episodes out every wednesday To make sure you hear the next episode as soon as it's out, follow this podcast on your podcast player. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. Stay up to date with everything that's going on at Prevail and how you can become part of our community to become the best version of yourself by following Prevail across all socials at Prevail, P-R-E-V-A-Y-L.